From the Catholic Diocese of Sioux Falls Office of Adult Faith Formation, this is the Prairie Rome Companion with Dr. Chris Bergwald. Hello, I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. Welcome to this special edition of Prairie Rome Companion. In this, in this episode, we'll hear the third and final part of Dr. Joel Barstead's presentation, Handing on the Faith in Family and Culture. Again, this is a presentation that he gave at a recent Faith for Life event in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Enjoy the presentation. I promise to talk not just about family, but also culture. And the question of what is culture, uh, we could spend another hour just talking about that term. Um, and I want to take a somewhat different approach to, uh, to that. Um, and I want to I look at how a culture can emerge from the kind of experience that we've already talked about. I've been, my wife and I, well my wife mainly, has been homeschooling since 1993. Okay, so for a while now. Um, the older, the three older boys at a certain point decided they wanted, needed a broader social world and so they, the oldest went to high school, public high school full time and the other two went part time, did part of their studies at home and part at the, the public school. But the others get educated at home. We know a lot of homeschooling families were involved with homeschooling groups and so on. One of the reasons people homeschool their children is that they're trying to protect them from influence and forces in the schools and elsewhere. And I've been at this long enough to see both the good and the bad of that, that desire. Um, plenty Plenty of the families, or enough to be a little disturbing that I can think of, develop a mentality, a fortress mentality, where the, the family is there to provide everything and what you want to do is, is keep the world at bay. And you try to keep the, the kids safe from all those bad influences. The trouble is that mom and dad have to die someday. You know? And hopefully, the kids don't wait to leave home until that happens, right? I mean, you want them to leave before that day. Okay? And once they leave home, where are they going to go? They're going to go out into that world that you're protecting them from. So, what are you going to do? Are they going to be ready for it? How do you get them ready for it? This is the, this is the, real, this is the real struggle. One of the approaches that I've seen is that you try to condition them in such a way, you try to build up an identity, um, a Catholic identity or whatever the identity, um, conservative Protestant identity, that is psychologically so strong that they will find it very difficult to let go of it once they go out into the world, so that they'll take this formation with them out into the world. Okay. All too often, though, what happens, as I've seen, is that they go out there and they either, um, they either when they confront this world, they either kind of go into a, a, a crisis, they go into a kind of huddle, or they shatter the identity, and, they, and then they just go wild. Okay. 
So that's a, it's, it's a risk. On the other hand, I've watched parents whose kids are part of the, the school um, and all the things that, they, that the homeschooling parents worry about happen. <laughs> so it's kind of being stuck between uh, a rock and a very hard place. What's a parent to do? We confront, um, I, 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 I was very vigilant about a television. Um, when my wife and I got married, we, we agreed uh, that we wouldn't ever have a television. Uh, unfortunately, um, when Star Trek um, Voyager came out, um, <clears throat> I had to watch that at least once a week. So I always borrowed a television for that. And at a certain point, my hypocrisy became so clear to me that one Saturday afternoon, I dashed out to Walmart and bought a television so we could watch that night's episode of Star Trek Voyager. Okay, so a television came into our house. Fortunately, we, we've always lived in a place where we didn't get broadcast television. So that hasn't been an issue. I, I, we live in Castle Rock, Colorado, and the, the, the Castle Rock is in just such a place where we don't get broadcast television. So I've always been grateful that the Lord honored me, even in my hypocrisy, um, to some degree. So we've been protected from constant bombardment of ads. But the thing I wasn't vigilant about is I wasn't vigilant about the radio. Um, I forgot that. There's always something you forget. I forgot that, and I let, my, let the grandparents give them these little transistor radios. And before I know it, oh, Dad, can we listen to the oldies station? Can we listen to the oldies station? Okay, that was all right. I find it tiresome after a while, but nothing too bad. Um, at least no rap yet, and so on. Um, but pretty soon it's U2. Okay, I like U2, so that's still tolerable. But it's not too many years before they're venturing into musical arena that I just can't go with them. I just can't go there. Um, although, although I must say my wife is very good about, um, about sitting down and, and listening to their music. I, I do it too, but I, I kind of, um, I have to be the heavy in some ways. Um, so we listen to it and we try to offer a judgment about the, the values of the music, and some of it we can enjoy with them, and others we just shake our heads. Okay. Um, the media is extremely powerful. I, I'm just stunned by it. I mean, it, the way in which it, it fascinates them, and distracts them, and draws them in. It's ex how do we compete with that? How do we compete with that? The only, the only way I think we can do is to keep going back and saying, why does it fascinate you? What is it that you love about this? Does it satisfy? We've got to teach them, especially in front of the most persuasive things, the most enticing things. We have to draw them back and, and we have to help them judge it and judge why they're attracted to it. Ask them, is it good? Um, and in what sense? Is this... Is it good? Now, the energy required for that kind of work, it seems to me, takes us back to the first question that we asked, and that is, who hands on the faith? Who transmits the faith? Where are we going to find the kind of energy that we need for to, to accompany our children or grandchildren 
their friends. Um, where are we going to find that from? Where do we find it from? So in a certain way, the who generates and who, who transmits the faith becomes the, the question of where do I find my faith generated? Where do I encounter Christ in a way that can sustain this ongoing work of judging everything in light of the gospel? I want to draw something on the board here. Places. Places are very important things in our lives. Um, because places are where things happen. I mean, so this is all trivial at a certain level. But I think if we stand in front of the, and, and look for a kind of keen grasp of the obvious, um, why do you come, what do you come to church for? Because you expect certain kinds of things to happen there. If you go to a baseball stadium, you accept, expect certain th kinds of things to happen there. What did the people, to go back to Mike's story, what did the people gathering around Jesus in Jericho expect to happen? They expected the Messiah to come into their midst and they were looking for a really big show, a really good show. Sometimes, Sometimes something happens to a group of people that they never expected. The description of, of John and Andrew. Here you have some of the people that came to church that day, gathering around John the Baptist. Something happened to them that they didn't expect. They met someone they never imagined they would meet. They hoped they would. They were looking for him. But they never imagined that he would be like this. That he would be this man in this way. I don't know if you can see what I wrote there. It's the word event. Um, an event is a useful um, uh, category for us to think with. It's something that happens to us. Now, what, why is an event different from a thing? A thing, I can leave lying in the corner, and I can always go back and get it. An event, especially an event of this sort, I'm not always sure of being able to reproduce it. Right? There's a different kind of um, expectation, a different kind of anxiety. Mike described the process about of, um, of Andrew waking up the next morning and the event was over. What did he do? He had to go look for that guy again. He didn't want the event to be over. He wanted the event to continue. He wanted to live his whole life within that event. Isn't that the same thing that we're asking for when we want the energy to be able to accompany our children 
and judging their lives according to the faith. We want ourselves to be energized, sustained by an event that will allow us to draw them in and sustain them in, in their effort. So the first thing I think that parents learn once they reach the limits of their own capacities to, um, to teach their, their kids and sustain the work of, of education and handing on the faith, when they reach that limit, they need then to recognize that they depend on another to keep going. So where do they go for that? Where do they go for that? Now, the, the church claims to be that place where the event can keep happening. Does it happen for everyone who wanders in the building? Not in a way that I can predict or that you can predict. Um, Chris uh, arranged a meeting. How many people would say that they were interested? How many would come? He couldn't exactly say. Here we are. How many of you will have had something interesting happen today? How many will have, um, have experienced an event of the quality of that kind of encounter that, that we talked about? Maybe no one. But maybe there is some. Now, if I want to keep living my life in light of that event, if I've, my, if I've touched something, I've encountered something, Christ in our midst, if I've, if I've encountered a presence that, that is pure, that, that looks at me with a different gaze, um, that, I've, that I've touched something that, that, that feels like my destiny, that, that arouses my desire for my destiny, then I want to stay with that. Now, one of the ways we do that is, like Andrew, when we get up in the morning, we go look for the person that was there with us. And so, a companionship is built from that encounter, because it happened to us together in this place. In that way, now it could be that, that you encountered Christ and, and your best friend encountered Christ in another place, but you meet and you begin talking and you discover that you've met the same one. And there's a correspondence between your experience and you're helpful to one another. It doesn't mean that the event has to be that you went to the same retreat together. Um, but it means that you've met the same thing and then you can help one another because you've been gathered together precisely for the purpose of being able to help one another. Interesting things happen when, when we have that experience and when we have it in the context of a companionship. And that interesting thing that can happen is what I would call culture. That is, the event, this experience that we have, begins to radiate out. It, when we act together, when we talk to each other, when we plan things together, something new begins to happen among us. Now I want to read, well before I read the, uh, a quote, I want to suggest that part of what keeps the event going 
if you will. This is a, this is a, curious, um, a curious thing, is precisely the act of remembering it. We get together and we remember and we talk about what happened to us. We tell each other our stories about how we met um, Christ or how we met some friend or, or, or whatever. So we get together and remember. Now, kind of one of the most memorable things I ever heard Father Giussani say was he said the, the, the idea that for Christians, memory is the awareness of something that began in the past but continues to be present. Christ, after His resurrection, is present. He doesn't go anywhere. He's with us always to the end of the age. But we have to remember that presence. And remembering that presence is bound up with those people and those circumstances which made us aware of that presence. Okay. Now I want to read you a quote of what can happen, what can follow from this. This is from a, a German theologian, Paul Althaus. The witness of the church's ministry belongs in the context of the witness of one's whole attitude. Jesus' own witness went forth, not only in words, but in the way in which he dealt with people. The man receives sinners and eats with them. The message of forgiveness became incarnate in his association with sinners and that he had fellowship with them. It cannot be otherwise with the messengers of Jesus, with the church. The gospel is not an objective. It's not an objective universal truth which one can pass on in the form of ideas but rather the personal reality of God's sacrifice, the love that gives itself and bears our burden. So also this truth of the gospel can be proclaimed only in one's whole personal attitude toward people. The message of God's mercy, as it was a bodily personal reality in Christ, must repeatedly become embodied in the love that seeks the lost. The credibility of the church when it preaches God's love for the lost depends on whether the church itself goes out to the people in their lostness, identifies itself with them, and in a priestly way makes their predicament its own. In seeking human love, God's love is understood. The incarnation can be preached and believed only to the degree to which it is lived in the preaching. Now, there are two ways of understanding a passage like that. We could use this as an exhortation for a new program, to go out and find all those lost people. But I hope that after what we've talked this afternoon and this morning, that you'll understand that, that it can be another kind of movement, that it's the consequence of an encounter with mercy that allows us, impels us, to deal mercifully with another, starting with our own children. The going out to the lost is not necessarily leaving our houses. 
Now here's that other possibility, and just it's a it's a horizon which I just sketch um, as a possibility. What happens if we walk this path for very long? The word and its embodiment belong together, not only in the individual preacher, but also in the church as a whole. The preaching church is at the same time the serving church, which takes upon itself the need of people and in every way seeks to set up signs of the love of Christ in the world. This is precisely the meaning and intent of its service. It is intended to be understood as witness. It is in this comprehensive context that the preaching of the church's message stands. And there is still more to be said. Preaching also belongs in the totality of the church's worship of God, all its forms and structures. This totality bears witness along with the preaching and thus sustains it. So it is with the liturgy, above all the word of the Bible in it, the songs of the church, its prayers and hymns, the order of every service of worship and the church year, the whole of the church's order and custom, but also, but also the building, pictures and sculpture, liturgical music, the whole of Christian art, insofar as all this has had its impulse from the encounter with the gospel and is born of the Spirit of God, can become a witness that builds the church. For many people, the gospel has been deeply written in their hearts by a picture, or the great passion music composers from Bach down to the present day or by a verse of some Christian poet of the past or present. And all this is speaking to when we listen to preaching. In a multitude of ways, all Christendom is bearing witness along with a preacher. So to be sure, it is true for the life, the continuance, and the growth of the church that it is the Word that does it. What I hope you will take from those, that description is an image of how starting very simply our whole life can become involved and that something something new will be generated out of that. We're not the protagonist of the handing out of the faith. We can't imagine what marvelous things might happen in our midst, out of our midst. We can't hide in our families, we can't hide in our, in our private lives um, because we would be cutting ourselves off from the very source of our own life. If we want to hand on the faith, we have to have it handed on to us. We have to receive it. We have to receive it together with those that we've been brought together with around the Lord's table. Mike talked about the two tables the one at home and the one here. It seems to me that those are the two starting points for the culture, for a culture. So when we come to the Lord's table, when we commune in that presence, when we renew our encounter with Christ, we are being 
taken out of our isolation. We're taken out of the limits um, of our own efforts and been brought into something which has great potential when we do this in remember of him, memory of Him. When I confront the real difficulties that my children face and my seeming inability to correct or even help them in the way that I would like to, there are three things that I have to remember. I don't know how many times in the last, um, the last year I have invoked my kids' baptism. Remember, Lord, that you made them your own. Remember, Lord, that you made them your own. Have your way with them. Have your way with them. I don't ever have to see it, but bring it to completion. The, the promise that you made to them when you baptized them. And then when I'm dealing with them, I have to remember, um, I have to remember that dynamic of confession and absolution. I have to be ready not only to, to, to correct, but to forgive, that mercy is the last word. And even if, even if one of them or two of them is bored at liturgy, I still have to come with my own hunger and my own desire, my own heart in front of Christ and receive the nourishment that He has for me there and receive the fellowship of those who have been gathered around that table with me. And that's where I lean on Christ. That's where I believe in God, is by leaning in those particular ways and places.